Welcome to Fort Hood Spotlight, keeping you in touch with what's happening on the world's largest military installation, Fort Hood, Texas. Thank you for joining us. I'm Julia Connor. This week, we shine the spotlight on the summertime danger for getting to take the child out of the car. Our friends from Darnall will tell us how to prevent such tragedies. What's boss up to? Better opportunities for single soldiers. They are getting together with Robertson Blood Center for, you guessed it, a blood drive. Plus, they're still looking for folks who can handle a marathon softball session. And the All-Army Combatives Tournament starts July 26 here at Fort Hood. We are the two-time defending champs trying for three. The public's invited to come see the free cage fighting finals on July 28th. Fort Hood Spotlight. With me in the studio from Darnall Medical Center, Anita Paniagua, who's a trauma nurse coordinator, and Beverly Fulton, who's a trauma registrar. Thank you all very much for being with us. Now, you're here because we've got a very important topic to talk about, especially during the summer months, and that is leaving children in hot cars. Anita, tell us why is it so dangerous for the child in such a short period of time? Well, because we know that uh, temperatures rise quickly in vehicles, especially in the heat. Even when the windows are ajar, it can heat up very quickly and and cause very serious injuries. Even in a 10-minute period, the temperature can rise 10 to 20 degrees. And even after an hour, it can rise 40 to 45 degrees higher. So if if the temperature is maybe 80 outside, it could rise to 130 inside the vehicle within 10 to 20 minutes. And the child is much smaller than us, and their body seems to heat up more quickly than adults, right? Right. Uh, Their um, auto-regulatory system is not as mature as an adult, so that they can heat up three to five times faster than an adult. So what can happen to that child in that short period of time? child can become overheated. They can become dizzy, disoriented. They can hallucinate, become confused, sluggish. They can experience seizure activity. They become flushed. They can't sweat anymore. And they can lose consciousness and actually go into a cardiac arrest. And how long would this take? This could take anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Once the child's temperature rises over 107 degrees, the body shuts down and then the the cells start to deteriorate. And that can easily happen in a car when it's 80 degrees outside. Absolutely. Anytime you see a child in a car locked, even if the windows are just ajar a little bit still, you need to call 911 immediately. Now, Beverly, most often when a child is left in the car, it's an accident. What can be done so that we can remember that we have a child in the backseat? We can always try and place the cell phone, your, your purse, briefcase, gym bag, Something that's going to trigger you to go to the back seat or look in the back seat. Also something you can do when you actually get to work. Set your BlackBerry as a reminder that you have dropped your child off at daycare or set your computer calendar such as your Outlook to send you a message uh, reminding you, hey, have you dropped your kid off at daycare today? Also as another reminder, um, you can also ask the daycare to give you a call if you haven't shown up with your child by a certain length of time. And we've got to remember also that children can get into those cars by themselves if we don't watch them. Absolutely. Uh, We encourage parents to teach their children not to play around the vehicles, that it, again, it's not a playground area, uh, and also not to leave your keys uh, where the child can get a hold of those keys and go into the vehicle. Mm -hmm. If your child goes missing, one of the first places you need to go check is your car and the trunk of your car to make sure the child is not in that. Good idea. Now, where can we get some more information about the subject? You can find a lot of information on safekids.org. It's a very valuable website and provides a lot of information. I want to thank you both for being with me today. Thank Thank you you so much for having us. We appreciate it. 
I've been talking with Anita Paniagua and Beverly Fulton from Darnell. If you need some more information, just go to safekids.org. I'm Julia Connor. Hi, I'm Alana Rivera with the Exceptional Family Member Program. Do you need a break? Respicare is one way EFMP helps to provide support for all family members, in this case, the caregivers. Please give me a break. Caring for family members with special needs is an around the clock job. We'll give you a break so you can refresh and recharge. Come on, would you give me a break? For more information, call 254 287 6070. Respite Care, giving you the break you need. Don't miss out on the Teen Army Family Action Plan hosted by the Fort Hood Army Community Service. It's held at the Elvita Culp Hobby Soldier and Family Readiness Center. Open to military teens ages 13 and 19, but only 15 of the teens will be accepted to participate. Hurry! Registration closes on July 31st or once the max number of teens is registered. For more info, call 254-287-2327. The Teen AFAT Focus Forum, August 10th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Elvita Culp Hobby Center. Fort Hood Spotlight. Welcome back. With us, Sergeant Adam Nelson, Better Opportunities for Single Soldiers, here to talk about what's going on with Boss. I hear you've got a blood drive going with Robertson Blood Center. Yes, ma'am. On 8 August at 1300, we're trying to get 100 soldiers to donate blood. Other installations like Fort Gordon, Fort Bragg, have given a lot of blood. And this is a chance for Fort Hood, the biggest, best place in the entire Army, to show what we got. So if we can get 100, great. I'm hoping, though, we get well over 100 uh, soldiers to donate blood. Now, soldiers need to remember that the blood they give today or on the 8th will go down range, and it might save one of their friends' lives. That's right. And it's important to remember that when soldiers come back, from overseas. They have to wait a year to yes, donate. They do. So those who can donate, we need you more than ever. And you're not just looking for single soldiers. We'd like to have a large of our population of single soldiers, but as long as we get our hundred volunteers, we will take all soldiers. Tell us once again when and where. It is at the Robinson Blood Center, the eighth of August at thirteen hundred until complete. All right. The boss bud drive. Anybody can participate as long as you can give blood. As long as you can give blood. Come on out. People who can do it, do it, because they need a steady stream of suppliers all the time. Yes, we do. To help out. Hey, just because we're stateside doesn't mean the war stops. Exactly. And this is a great way to help your soldiers overseas. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Cool. Now, we were getting teams together for that all-day, all-night softball tournament. We're going to give the teams a little bit more time to get their act together. Yes, we sure are. Um, We decided that it would be best especially seeing how a lot of units have come back from Iraq and everything, Afghanistan, to give them a chance to get organized and get together and try to play. Uh, The uh, softball tournament is now on the 17th and 18th of August. All teams' uh, registrations are due by the 3rd of August. Hey, grand prize is $1,000 towards the soldiers' unit funds. Uh, Yeah. You can't beat $1,000. No, you cannot, unless it's $2,000, of course. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so if we need some more information about what's going on with BOSS, what should we do? Well, if you need more information on BOSS, just call us up at 287-6116 or search us on the Fort Hood MWR webpage. Or you can search us on Facebook, search Fort Hood Boss. Please make sure you spell out Fort, do not abbreviate it, or you'll never find it. Trust me. Thank you so much. I have been talking with Sergeant Adam Nelson from the BOSS program, Better Opportunities for Single Soldiers. Y'all have a good one. July 25th through July 28th, Fort Hood will rock. The fight goes on! 
It's the 2012 U.S. Combatives Championship at Abrams Physical Fitness Center. The smoke will blow, the lights will flash, and it's going to go down. We got to do our best to block them up and fight a good fight with these guys. July 25th, the fighters weigh in at Kishnik Gym. July 26th, the fight begins with preliminary rounds at Abrams. July 27th, the fight continues with the mighty semifinal rounds. Then, July 28th, Abrams Physical Fitness Center. The crowd will again gather, and the survivors in all weight classes will throw down in the final rounds. It's coming. Battling, grappling, conquering. It's the 2012 U.S. Combatives Championship Abrams Physical Fitness Center. July 25th through July 28th, Fort Hood is going to rock. This is a fight for freedom. Fort Hood Spotlight. Julia Cotter here, and with me, Chris Perkins, three core combatives director here at Fort Hood, and Jared Plantz, who is the Fort Hood combatives team coach. And he won the Jiu-Jitsu World Championship in 2009. Yeah. Hello. Hi. And of course, we are here to talk about combatives because they are coming up pretty quickly. Yeah, end of the month. Tournament starts on the 26th, starting about 8 o'clock over there at Abrams Gym, with weigh-ins actually on the 25th. And then uh, it goes on the 27th with the final starting at 1600 on the 28th, that Saturday. Come on out that evening, you'll see 16 really good fights. And this is the All-Army Combatives Championships, which we are hosting for the second year in a row, because we are... The two-time champions. Two-time, fixing to be three-time champions. Yes. All right, spoken from the lips of the coach. So, what do we have? What are What's our strengths? This is probably one of the toughest combative slash jujitsu rooms I've ever grappled in. And uh, last year we had a great team. This year the, our talent pool is even double strength. We're looking to do great things this year, and I think a three-peat is definitely in order. Now when we talk about combatives, what kind of fighting are we talking about? Combatives includes uh, a few different martial arts. Our uh, submission grappling is, is out of jujitsu. Our takedowns are from judo and wrestling. Our striking is from Muay Thai and kicking is from Muay Thai. And we even, because of, you know, weapons fighting, we even take some fencing and Kali along with that incorporated into the program. Now, do all soldiers have to participate in combatives? All soldiers are required to do combatives in the United States Army. Army Regulation 350-1 specifically states how many level 1 and 2 and 3 and level 4 instructors there needs to be. But in the end, we're a society of warriors and we should be willing to fight. Now, when it comes to the tournament, we're talking the best from Army installations all across the world. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And what's cool about combatives to me is no matter you're male or female, private, colonel, if you're in the same weight class, you could end up fighting each other. Yes, the, the females do get a 15% weight allowance for their weight classes, trying to equalize the physiological differences. But other than that, uh, yeah, it, rank doesn't play anything in, into it. Nobody's going to stand at parade dress and take a whooping. So <laughs> the level of competition in the Army is amazing. We have world-class athletes all over the Army that have chosen to be patriots and serve their country. There's nothing cooler for a soldier to say than, I'm the toughest soldier at this weight class in the United States Army. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of speaking uh, off of what Chris said about the, the, the talent of these soldiers, uh, on our team right now, I think we have like five or six Division One college wrestlers, a few guys that have, have been to the major tournaments, the Pan American World Championships of Jiu-Jitsu, the World Championships of Jiu-Jitsu, 
we have built the dynasty and if you, this is your thing that you like doing, you're trying to figure out how to PCS to Fort Hood. Kishnik Gym, that is our combatives training facility now. Yes, uh, the chain of command, they have made every other combatives, NCIC or director around the Army, jealous. Uh, everything we needed, they said, no kidding, what do you need to make this into a combatives facility that's world class? And they and they did it during the remodel. Then when it comes time for the team, all these SAR majors and commanders across the post, they had to give up a soldier for 90 days to train for this. And they happily did it because they want to continue to carry the torch of being the hand-to-hand champions of the United States Army. Jared, we're going for three. So they're gunning yes, for us. Everybody's gunning for us. Absolutely. And that's what we're training for. That's what I'm telling the guys every day in practice. When, when we're out there and the guys feel like giving up, that's what we're talking about, you know, amongst ourselves on the team, our team leaders. We keep drilling that into them. And we tell them, being a two-time champion, if another soldier is going against somebody, he might just give his a good shot at it but as soon as he knows he's fighting a Fort Hood guy he's only getting off that mat a winner if, if he brought his A game so they're never going to get an easy match right everybody yeah. when they see Fort Hood goes oh man this I have now ran into my championship match I have to give it my all so they're never going to have an easy match during those three days the more you win the harder you have to train absolutely and they have done it the Army's helping us out with some outside instructors. We brought in some world-class UFC fighters, and they called me and said, hey, what do these guys do before we come train with them? And uh, I told them what they do, what Jared puts them through, and they didn't believe me. They they literally called me back the next day and go, okay, no kidding, really. What do you guys do during the day? And I said, <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. They fight 25 rounds before lunch, and then they come back after lunch and do it again. And, wow. And when they got here, they were amazed. They were they were like, wow, we've never been in a room that's harder to train in than this. Like, it, it, And that's coming from, you know, UFC veterans, you know. Jim, Jim Miller, Miller was, Mike Constantino. yeah, Mike Constantino has a large number of fighters that train with him that fight in the UFC, and he's their trainer, and he was like, wow. And ain't nobody in this room making $250,000 a fight either. They're just doing it because this is what they love to do. The big thing that folks should come out to see is the finals. At the cage fighting on the 28. 28, 28th, 1600th, because that's going to be the best people in each weight class, and they come to fight. There's no, there's no gameism. There's no, well, let's just try to win a judge's decision and walk away with a win and on our record. No, this is my one chance to be the army champion, and you're standing in my way. Uh, what do I need to do to you to walk away with the championship? Tell us once again the finals, the time, the place. Where's it happening? 26 is the first day. Opening ceremony is going to be about 8 o'clock over at Abrams. You get there about 8, you'll be good. We'll start. We'll fight all day. The next day, the 27th, same start time, but it'll probably be done about 2 o'clock. That day doesn't go very long. And then the big finals is Saturday the 28th at 1600. It's the opening ceremonies. There'll be 16 fights, and they'll all be good. Abrams Physical Fitness Center, and the winner gets the trophy, All-Army Combatives Champion. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for being with us. I've been talking with Chris Perkins, 3 Corps Combatives Director, and Jared Klontz. He is the Fort Hood Combatives Team Coach. I'm Julia Conn for Fort Hood Spotlight, a production of the Three Corps and Fort Hood Public Affairs Office.